Hey guys, welcome to episode 32 of the JV Club. I wanted to uh, quickly get a piece of housekeeping out of the way, which is that, um, as many of you know, I am doing a live JV Club at the LA Podcast Festival on Saturday, this upcoming Saturday, October 13th. And previously, I had announced that Busy Phillips was going to be my guest. Biz has to go out of town uh, the last minute for a family commitment, but I'm delighted to say she'll be doing the podcast another time, so that will still be an episode that's released for you guys. And I'm also thrilled to say that the person stepping in for her is none other than Lizzie Kaplan. Uh, I am a huge fan of Lizzie's, so I'm so, so happy that this worked out, and I can't wait. Our musical guest will be Priscilla Ahn, A-H-N. If you're not familiar with her music, I encourage you to check it out. She's absolutely brilliant and just a wonderful human being. So very, very excited about that show. If you're in LA, check it out. It'll be Saturday afternoon and passes are available to the podcast festival. We don't sell individual tickets to the podcast. So um, check out the website for LA podcast festival and uh, join me if you can. Um, I just said Ken instead of can. I said it like it was spelled K-E-N, like the Ken doll. I love that the only Ken association I can make is with Barbie and Ken. Okay, um, some quick shout outs before I get into a little bit of a description of this episode uh, that I did with Tig. I am very behind in my uh, thank yous again for this last week, but I did want to shout out via email, Veronica and Chris, via Twitter, Stephanie, via Facebook, Ben and Allison, Lexine and Adriana, and then via the Nerdist page and for Abigail's And on the uh, Kara episode, Maria episode, Chelsea, Paul, uh, on the H, Nerdist Alec, page, Joseph Damon, Curtis, Carolyn, David, Laser Scott, Liz, Jared, Jared W, Hess, Sarah so F, Mormon, Mormon, Brandon Bronwyn, Nerdy Cellist. I want to thank all the regulars who uh, commented and waited um, on Aaron Gibson's episode. So here's the scoop. I know uh, Elizabeth R, Mike H, Jason T, and Richard on Facebook. Thank you guys so much. Just a reminder that the JV Club will have its very first live episode episode with Busy Phillips and special musical guest um, Priscilla Ahn on October 13th from Saturday at 3 p.m. Um, in Santa Monica. Visit LA Podcast uh, Festival's I, website I for more details. Um, I will make sure that we continue to tweet that information and, uh, out. And, uh, she was kind of a Facebook page when I very first started. Um, but and I, it's going to be a really fun live show. I hope you guys, those of you who are in the area, So I really was finding my way. And I think that's it. Without further ado, I invite you to enjoy and relish. Sometimes I over talk because I just forget that I'm not sitting over coffee with Tig. The other thing I want to say is the reason that I sat on this for so long is that many of you know, and some of you are probably listening to the podcast for the first time because you're fans of Tig's, that uh, she's had a very intense uh, year, year and a half. And uh, when things started to happen, um, we held back on releasing the episode. Uh, that was a decision that Tig and I, you know, discussed together. And um, it's uh, it's being released now, and I'm very, very excited to say that Tig's going to do a follow-up episode with me as well, so that we can kind of talk about the events of the last year and a half. So you will not hear any mention of the things that you have probably heard about Um that take has gone through these this is this is before all of that stuff kind of evolved so um we wanted to release this so that you guys could enjoy it and 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 you know the adolescent side of things but also uh i can't wait to talk to take more um about what's been going on now and maybe fill in some gaps if we missed anything because I probably was just yakking so much that I told everyone more about me than about her but uh that's it and uh and I do hope you guys enjoy it um 
And I think that's it. So without further ado, here is the amazing Dignitaro. Now entering Nerdist.com. Listening to the JV Club. I am sitting across from the marvelous Tignataro. She opened her mouth like she was going to say something, and I am a wonderful podcast host and always willing to let someone speak if they seem that they're going to. But she has now now she looks pensive. Hi, that's I think what she was going to say. Yeah, I was going to chime in, but I wasn't sure if you do like a big intro. I don't. I don't because I'm not. Uh, you want to have any started. material? Oh, okay. I don't have any material to test out on the people because I don't do stand-up. You're not going to do a 10-minute um, rant? I'm not going to do a 10-minute rant. Uh, at, at worst, you might fall into some sort of horrible improvised scene with me since I do more improv and sketch than comedy. So suddenly we'll be this. acting out a okay. scene. Uh, Having said that, I can't make any promises that's going to happen either. This is We're just going to fly fast and loose. I just appreciate you came over to my house. And while you're sitting here in my house... Um, I like that we both are holding microphones and I am realizing that this is how I want people to, uh, this is how I want to sit and talk to people. I think when whoever invented the rocking chair invented it, they probably didn't envision a microphone ever being held in conjunction with, unless it was like a production of Our Town with really bad acoustics. Yeah. They pro- if they could see into the future, which I feel like I'm a very good, I'm sitting in a rocking chair. We should tell people. Yeah, I, if that wasn't Let's clear. <laughs> I am sitting in a rocking chair. She's absolutely sitting in a rocking chair. And as we've also pointed out, she's holding a microphone. Janet's wearing the knitted beret I made for her last Christmas. I am. And I am. we are sitting here talking into microphones in my living room. Yes, we are. But there is something incongruous about, yes, about being at home, but also talking on with microphone. a mic. Somehow, if that, now these are microphones also that we are holding. Mm-hmm. They're not... It's really all about the microphone. Like we're we're gonna have to spend the first ten minutes getting used to holding these because they're well, not standing on something. And we were where talking we can about them. being so far into the future, which we're not really because we're seeing holding not. microphone. This is such. I have to say, and I know we're not here to talk about microphones. I I, I don't know what we're here to talk. Whenever about. I am doing stand up, I yeah. feel so archaic when I lift a microphone, yeah. uh, uh, like a. What is this? Seven inch um, microphone to my face to talk. Yeah, this is like a, where if you opened up an encyclopedia under microphone, this is the first thing that would come up. It's whatever you. It's a big gray Muppet nose. Before you came over, I looked it yeah. up. Did you? What are yeah. the chances of that? Pretty good, I guess. I guess a hundred percent. Hundred percent. I'm not very good with ar- me neither. Arithmetic. I almost said arithmetic. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway. This uh, when you yeah when you get up on stage and you're yeah I'm just like it's so weird that I still have to pull this big um, thing over yeah. to my face to convey what I think is funny but all right no that makes sense at it, some point you'll just be able to hit a button on your voice modulator and like a strange chip will project it into the yeah you okay I thought you were you you said that you were pretty in touch with the future it was my assumption that you are 
uh, a sort of a technology uh, guinea pig. Well, yeah, you saw my computer, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> You're very plugged in. Yeah. You're very plugged in. Uh, well, thanks for coming over. Um, for is this the end me. of the podcast? That's it. I thought you were terrific. All and right. girls everywhere are applauding your candor. Hi, girls. Hey, ladies. No boys allowed. Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> I, I sort of thought about that when, when I started the podcast. I thought, I, you know, I may have more male friends and female friends. And suddenly I'm being super gender specific. But uh, at the end of the day, when it comes down to whether I feel like I can intelligently speak about nocturnal emissions mm-hmm. uh, and 16-year-old teenage boys, mm-hmm. I'm not the expert. <laughs> I'm not that expert. I don't know who that guy is, but that guy is not me. Could you please write into the podcast? Let us know who you are. Anybody who thinks they might be an expert in the world of nocturnal emissions, I'm pretty sure I know what that is. That's a wet dream, isn't it? I don't know. It might not be. I'm not quite sure. I read I'm on a girl almost podcast. all of Judy Bloom's books, so I'm pretty sure I know what I'm talking about. I read... Did Judy... No. Beverly Cleary. I read one book. I was the, not the of best the Ramona student. series. No, just in life. <laughs> and it was Beverly Cleary. And it was uh, Ribsy, and it's right up on my um, bookshelf of I'm unread sure books. It is. Look at all those great books that are never going to be read. <sighs> yeah, but every year for my book report, I turned in a report about Ribsy, and Ribsy was a and dog. I haven't read Ribsy, but I've read a lot of. Beverly you can Cleary borrow books. that book. It's very old and used because tattered. Yeah, it's ta- it's a tattered cover. I'm and, sure um, there are a lot of notes uh, that you made some handwritten notes, some underlined yeah. passages that really <laughs> yeah, resonated for you. I I read that book and reported on it every year, and truly not out of passion, but I was a bad student, and um. And I remember in seventh grade, <laughs> in English class, I turned in Ribsy again, and my teacher <laughs> looked at me, and she said, this was not on the book list. <laughs> and I was so out of touch, didn't listen. I didn't even know there was a book list. <laughs> like, I was... I was so I would that it's like a fourth grade level, if not. I was going to ask yeah. at what year it becomes officially yeah. way too remedial grade, for you to. My teacher is like ribs. <laughs> <laughs> the book is about a very scrawny, skinny dog whose ribs stick out. Okay, hence the cleverness of the nickname. Yeah. yeah. So I was caught. Wow. And, uh, yeah. Uh, these now these days you would have been pl- somehow you would have been accused of plagiarizing yourself because of the internet somehow your book report from four years ago would surface and there would be a huge elementary school scandal because mm-hmm. you would have plagiarized your own your well, own work. i was always involved in elementary school scandals i'd like to hear about a few more if possible i can't remember any and or reenact them no but i did get caught um plagiarizing my brother's book report one year well, in that, eighth grade. That only makes sense. That's when you finally got wise and realized yeah. <laughs> you could just rip somebody else off instead you, of writing about Ribsy. You'd think it was wise, but... Was it the same teacher? No, it was a history teacher. I turned in his book report from the year before, and in ways I was bright, and in ways I was not very bright. I didn't know how whiteout worked, 
And so I just whited out. I thought, well, sure, this is just going to erase his name and his grade. Oh. But I didn't understand that you could just turn it over and see what I had oh, whited out. So you out. didn't even, pl- you did, this is not plagiarizing. This is just I'm telling completely you, I was lazy. taking yeah. the paper. Like, yeah. I couldn't retype this yeah. or rewrite it. Yeah. No possible chance. I just Was it typed it or written, handwritten? It was handwritten. It was handwritten. And not you even just in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> That's I, wonderful. I even got to the point. Oh, that's in, wonderful. Um, I, Janet, I failed eighth grade twice, and then they moved me up to ninth grade, and then I failed that. They moved you up out of exhaustion. Yeah, like, and I think oh, they just, just thought, you know, eight was not gonna, a lucky number for her. Let's see what nine does. They thought I was probably going to hurl myself out of a window. Of, right, a, right. A window. <laughs> A window. A window. She was educated in England, or at least one of the most pretentious parts of the United States. I never noticed your accent before, Janet. Oh, no? No. Oh, I've been using it (laughs) extensively since I came here. Um, Yeah, so they moved me up to ninth grade, and then I failed that, and then I just dropped out. Um, But when I was in ninth grade, I remember... I remember being in my pre-algebra class, which I never made it out of. Um, I used to just, I'd be handed a test, and I would just put an F on the top and slide the paper away, like towards the teacher, just put my head down. Like I was just, I uh, I would just grade my own, uh, I'd grade my own papers. Now... I, what's wonderful about this podcast is uh, my I have a lot of talented, uh, incredible, and successful uh, friends uh, who I guess what this podcast is really going to be is how to screw up as much as possible and still be fine <laughs> in the end because I'm realizing my own story and several other women's stories that I know. No, but I, I, I do want to – I mean I'd love to hear because I, I, I think I feel like I was – uh, I wanted to be lazier, but I was such a people pleaser that um, I was propelled forward not by a thirst for knowledge, but just like the terror of disappointing. Oh, boy, How could I have different. escaped that? How could I have escaped that? And uh, cared mar- even marginally less. Take what's your secret? I don't know what it was. I, you know what? It, 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 I'm sure it just. I don't know that there's a secret. Or it's just, you know, you have chaos at your house and then you kind of get a different perspective in life and then you realize what's important and how yeah. ridiculous things are. And then it you just kind of... I'm not saying you didn't or other people don't. People just deal with things differently. Yeah. You know, Where was this happening, by the way? You were you're ra- raised in the South, yeah? Yeah. Uh, originally Mississippi and then Texas. And people love to blame everything on the South or Texas. And to be honest, I had teachers that cared and and people like to bl- people act like it's what it's hicksville or that it's yeah, because yeah. it's because if I, they're red states somehow that means whenever like, i it's say their fault. that i had trouble in school people go well, where was this I'm, oh texas they're like well it was texas and it's like i don't know no, it wasn't like i was out in you know a barn and people were just you yeah. know milking cows and spitting and uh, you know didn't care and you know <laughs> it just it not that did I no, even, you picked. You painted a beautiful no, picture I of a, a. I didn't of a schoolhouse <laughs> in uh, Texas. But yeah, it was like a civilized school that sure. I went to. Sure, sure. Um, and uh, people, I, teachers tried. I, I yeah. felt like they really 
were invested and thought that I was, I remember my mother would be like, oh, your teacher calls, she says you're so smart. And I remember being like, they tell all of the parents that, you know? Which right. I was like, you were a tiny cynic. Yeah. <laughs> a tiny, but, lazy cynic. Exactly. But I just, I can't blame it on the school system or the teachers yeah. not caring or I was bored. I was lazy. Uh, frankly, I didn't understand a lot of the things they were telling uh-huh. me, uh-huh. you know, cause another thing people love to say is, Oh, you were probably just, um, bored. Um, you were because so, you were so bright. Smart. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, no, I didn't understand. Like I didn't, uh-huh. I didn't understand, but I have to say, um, I do have an interest in learning. Like I, yeah. I, I, self-educate i yeah i I, uh did you have stuff then while you were being bored and 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 plagiar and grabbing your brother's book report did you have stuff then that you felt passionate about music i played guitar and i would just spend easily five hours a day in my room playing guitar yeah like you could not pry me away from my guitar from the time i was about nine until probably 19 a good 10 years of my life i was just obsessed with guitar so who were the people that you looked up to when you were nine to 19 did you have obviously that you didn't have to pick the same you had three people who were they (laughs) um i was you mean just in life me being well yeah i guess i'm wondering i mean in terms of of who who we look to and think oh i would like to be that or i want to be that i'm I'm, i mean i'm assuming perhaps they i guess what i'm getting at is or were there musicians who were like i wanted to i guess what i'm saying is was it me it was you it was i I didn't know where you were i hoped but i I didn't know (laughs) i hoped but i didn't know yeah i well when i was really little i was so into the beatles and I thought if I played guitar, I got a guitar the year John Lennon died, but I was so lost. It was a coincidence? Uh, it or, was you, a co- or did you feel that you he had gave me his, his guitar, <laughs> entered your body and said, it's time to buy a guitar? It was, I didn't do an accent, notice. I, I did notice. Uh, it, it was a coincidence, but I had been listening to the Beatles since I was probably like five. We had a friend from England that used to come over, not like we couldn't buy it. <laughs> Beatles used to smuggle in Beatles. Records. Really, it's not like we couldn't get Beatles and Rolling Stone. But this is like, during the prohibition of Beatles, right? <laughs> I forgot that that happened for a brief period in America. Yeah, it, 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 the the British invasion hit me so much after um, that it actually happened. Yeah. Um, it hit me around 1976, I guess. But um, some people would argue it was still happening. Yeah, I guess in some ways, but I mean, like and they the, never stopped uh, coming the uh the 60s yeah. british uh invasion and revolution but i i was so caught up in my beatles records that i was listening to that i thought for sure i was going to be the fifth beatle one day and i even thought that after john lennon died because when i would listen to the records they were still together in my yeah. mind like yeah I couldn't even separate that John Lennon had died and it was yeah. so separate to me. Yeah. And um but I would I was absolutely obsessed with John Lennon. Like ab- interesting interesting. Like so crazy. And um and then I got into um What did you feel about the other Beatles? I know you love the Beatles overall, but so if you love them so much, you d- you weren't necessarily dismissive of the way some people are about certain members of the Beatles. I'm not naming any No, names. no, no. I wasn't dismissive at all. I just, I... Because, you know, there are some John Lennon snobs out there who feel like 
he was the Beatles and they don't. Oh, I don't feel that, that at yeah, all. Yeah. At all. Agreed. Um, I, th- I, I love every part of what they were, but yeah. for some reason, and I hate, cause I don't consider myself like a, a brooding dark comedian that's like, Oh, I, I loved the darkness. I did. I loved the darkness of John Lennon. I don't yeah. feel like I need the darkness to be who I am. Right. But I did like that for right. some reason. I just right. loved the, uh, but I also loved their, you know, help. And, uh, I want to hold your hand. Sure. I went through the whole thing. Sure. And as, um, the, the sound of the Beatles kind of changed and evolved, I, I just went, in I that feel way exactly the same way. I mean, I truly feel like when I was a kid, I listened to the poppy Beatles. Yeah. And then as I got older, it became super important to listen to the more obscure stranger lyrics. Yeah, and yeah. But I, <clears throat> I would say he was he was one of the biggest influences to me. And then after that, it you know it was a lot of men. It wasn't. I didn't like have a female uh, influence that rocked my world until it was all very music driven. It was uh, Chrissy Hine from the Pretenders. Ugh, get in line. Uh, Couldn't love her more. Well, you need to get in line because I'm at the no, front of the line. You need to get in line. Um, oh, but, you know what? I didn't realize you were in line because I was looking behind me. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. realize now yeah. that you are in yeah. line because you're in front. I'm of me. in line. My bad. Um, but I remember hearing Chrissy Hine. I always loved her music, but I heard her on Rockline mm-hmm. and. Um, and I remember her saying um, that she didn't just want to be the greatest female singer, guitarist. She just wanted to be the greatest. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, right? I, I just, that resonated with me so much. I agree. And one of the things that I, I loved about her is that I never thought she was being consciously androgynous. There was no sense of that. It was mm-hmm. clear she was a woman. Mm-hmm. Clear she was sexy. It, it wasn't a, it wasn't nothing was in defiance of yeah it just she but it but she just seemed ungender specific but no, does that make sense like oh, she yeah. just seemed like a yeah. like a awesome yeah. rock and roll yeah. person yeah she t- she's a living legend and she she's, absolutely is she's uh she's through and through she's one of those people where i've had an opportunity to meet her but i've chosen not to because Understood. to this day I still get teary-eyed when I see her walk on stage and I don't want I yeah. I don't feel that way really about anybody when they walk on stage and I don't want that taken from me. Yeah. And not that I'm saying she would take that from me, but I don't want Why risk to it? take any chance. I want yeah. to be so yes. blown out of my mind. Yeah. Um, so I have shied away from the couple of chances where I could just go yep. meet her through a friend. Or, yeah. And, and I'm like, I, I can't do it. I, I get it. it. I get it. I yeah. feel that way about a couple of people. Yeah. I feel that way about... I, I actually do feel that way about Jodie Foster. Like, I, I have friends who are good friends with her uh-huh. and every time the opportunities have arisen i've been like oh no 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 yeah. because somewhere yeah, yeah. in there i'm thinking what if this doesn't go as planned jody is swinging by my place God. In- <laughs> i'm sorry i thought i made it clear that that oh. um and so were you the were you the kid the scrappy kid uh avoiding homework do, playing guitar only in your room by yourself for five hours or did you branch out and start getting into playing with other people i was very shy and nervous about performing in front of people but I did have this um, I, I when I got into junior high school and I was I was 
I really liked heavy metal too. Mm-hmm. And I was very into Van Halen. Like Eddie Van Halen became a new craze for me. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he probably would make me cry if I saw him walk out on stage still. I, I'm sorry. But Even it's given true. everything we've now been told about him. What, what, did we, what did we hear? Isn't he supposed to be crazy? Oh, I'm sure. I mean, I guess just after what happens to your brain that after that long, maybe. Oh, yeah. But I mean, <clears throat> I uh, separating all of that. Yeah. Just uh, as I thought you were going to tell me some icon. horrible thing that I didn't read about in the news because I'm pretty up on the news. And if something would have been Eddie Van Halen related. Yeah. I'd been on it. I just heard a story about him, his craziness and something about he would shave off parts of his tongue and put it in a blender or something like that. Oh, well, I don't know. That seems reasonable. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's crazy. He probably did it as a joke a few times. Um, Yeah, I don't know about that, but that wouldn't take away still. Because if he came out on stage... That's pretty legendary, actually. Yeah, if he came out on stage and and just shredded it up, uh, not his tongue, but... (laughs) But the rock and roll songs, yeah, I uh, I would be beside myself. Yeah. He still, for some reason, does it. It's for his me. tongue. He can do whatever he wants with it. That's as right. long as he continues to delight audiences everywhere. Yeah. So, uh, so you okay? So you said uh, you were too nervous. You were nervous. I about was too playing. nervous to perform in public. But I would go into my guitar- into my uh, garage as a kid in Texas and take my little practice amp, and I would turn it up as loud as it would go. Mm-hmm. And I would play You Really Got Me or just different, so, like so loud. So kind, would you, so are you suggesting that you were kind of hoping secretly that people were walking by going, people were, whoever that is is awesome. Yeah. And I'm, I can't believe how patient the neighbors were yeah. with, uh, with that. Cause I, I was okay, <laughs> but I, I didn't deserve five to hours be. a day. I don't know. I was, well, it wasn't five hours of cranking out. Yeah, uh, girl, you really got me now. Yeah, um, but it was it was a decent amount, and then my mother would be like, "That's that's enough." <laughs> but the neighbors, nobody ever came and complained. Maybe it was because, you know, I also uh, <laughs> I don't know. I I I I was a nice kid, but I was a little scrappy and got in a lot of trouble. And yeah, and probably nobody was talking directly to me. Do you have siblings? I have a brother. Older then, or younger? Uh, he is uh, a year older. Yeah, and uh, he was a good kid. He oh, made, he was. Oh, yeah. He made okay. really good grades and was on all the sports teams and and uh, and we. He loved Paul McCartney. You know, we were kind of. Uh, <laughs> I love it. You even had the rivalry. Yeah, I mean, loving Paul. He, was he a, loved the clean, safe one. Yeah, he he loved Paul. Oh. And now, you know, like I said, I love all the Beatles, but he he was more partial to Paul. Mm-hmm. Where I was like this brooding. Little... It mayn't surprise you to hear, as a people pleaser, that I preferred Paul. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. Wasn't going to get any trouble with Paul. Uh. Uh-uh. Um. Did you? It's so so in school. Were you? You were the kid. You weren't the kid who was kind of making a scene, cracking wise, and not doing your work. You were sort of sitting quietly, or you oh, liked no. an audience when you were in school in class. I was cracking, yeah, and but I also would kind of hang low, and I would have little things that I would, um, I'd pl- I'd have little plans and. 
you you it would take a little while to see uh them play out mm-hmm. like in art class i went under the table and took yarn and tied loosely everybody's shoelaces together oh. you know nobody knew and i played yeah. a little prank and came back up it wasn't until somebody got up and if you worked what we call a long con. Mm-hmm. That's right. A long class session long con. Yeah, where I took, like to You see had to things. patiently wait for everybody yeah. to get up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, okay, so back up. So you... Uh, so back up. So Pig. back You're up here. Ahead. Listen, listen. listen we are it. all over the map here. I have oh a my very gosh. stringent, rigid schedule to maintain. <laughs> you, you failed eighth grade twice. Yeah. You made it to ninth grade. Because they put me there. Because they put you there. Uh-huh. Then what happened? I failed. And then what happened? Well, I'll tell you. I was in, in school suspension because I had been skipping class or I was running late to class or I smoked. I, you know, I was... I was so you, there, wasn't a, there wasn't really a sense for you of future equals or did you think, like, did, in terms of, you know... I was how, like, yeah, I'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, I just knew nothing felt quite right. Like, mm-hmm. I... I just knew I didn't want to be in school. And no class. There was no one. There was no kind of like art class or the, you know, if this were a movie starring Edward James almost, like what teacher would he be Don't for you? There just was. wasn't anybody. I think he may have done a movie where he inspired a group of of hooligans. Oh, okay. He wasn't um, in you didn't have anybody like that that was like, oh, but then when I walked into theater class, my world came alive. <laughs> like school, really. No part of school was interesting. You know what? Because I was a troublemaker... Um, and, and, a failure kid, I became tight with the principal. Nice. And so because Straight I, to the top, yeah, I was always <laughs> sent to the vice principal's office. And so because of that, um, I got to know her well because I was every day sent down there for skipping class or being late or not doing work or talking or so I would end up in her office, and, and she was very um, supportive and, um, and just kind of a very, uh, just, just very supportive, mm-hmm. very, very supportive. And um, even to the point where she ultimately ended up supporting me dropping out yeah. of high school. And, um, and I think she knew I wasn't like a bad person. Right. And so what would you say to her that, I mean, what, what she, obviously if you're doing stuff that's getting you in trouble to the point where you're in the room with her, what was, what were those exchanges like where she was saying like, Oh, Tig, here you are again to bring me my coffee or what? I don't know if you, I want to imagine you had some kind of great routine going, but it wasn't like in what way did she stay supportive even through you being there She took an interest in me and she you, took an interest in what I was doing and uh and what my plans were. She uh, I don't know. It it wasn't it was more like I would end up there in trouble but she just would talk to me and see what was going on in my world and and um kind of help me ultimately wade through the chaos that was going on in my life, you know, as a kid. She wasn't um, necessarily like, uh, here you are again, or... Right. um, Nataro! Shaking her fist at you. (laughs) Nataro! My blood pressures! But I did finally, she was, I think, the person that did finally put me in in in-school suspension... 
uh, after a while, she probably did reach the notaro right. point, and um, I ended up. Did you have in school suspension in school? I was. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Why would you? I mean, you I were cut, off I pleasing cut, everyone. I know. I definitely was like. I definitely went through my. Uh, I went through a serious Robert Smith phase. I definitely wore dog collars, black, black lipstick. Oh man. Uh, did a lot of hard, truly hard drugs when I was thirteen. Which See, I didn't. My dad doesn't know about. Um, I did not. See, that's where. I did not, I was not like into drugs. I didn't drink at all. Yeah. I, 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 I smoked. I started smoking when I was nine. I, you know, sit up in a tree yeah. house and smoke and. Guitarists smoke. Let's yeah. just, in fairness to yeah. you, guitarists You got to stick smoke. your guitar on a yeah. you gotta on be a guitar able to, string. And if you're real busy in the middle of a yeah, riff, yeah, you got to yeah. be able to <laughs> yeah. lean over and just smoke it from there. Yeah, which I don't smoke now. Um, yeah. But yeah, I never got into the drug thing. And But I think that there was a. Um, I think that certain teachers and my principal and just people knew that I wasn't like really a bad yeah. person. Yeah. But when I, uh, when I ended up in in-school suspension, what so was that just after school or is that you're saying school. you're okay. So they're saying like, it's basically it's like babysitting where they're yeah, just saying they're ba- you're, you cannot be with other people, yeah, but and we, we ca- have to still have you. And we can't send you home yeah. because, um, that probably isn't going to be, uh, ideal. So um, we're just going to have you uh, sit here in a cubicle with a bunch of other uh, losers and your schoolwork's going to be delivered to you. And, and then um, basically what happened was I had one day of in-school suspension. All of my schoolwork was delivered there. Some, you know, out-of-shape coach was babysitting us mm. at different points in the day. And then I was sitting there... And I'm looking at the work that's delivered, and I have one day of in-school suspension, and then I'm supposed to get out. Well, the way in-school suspension worked was you also have to finish your classwork that's delivered to you. And I didn't do classwork. You already didn't do classwork. Yeah. Yeah. And I had never, because my principal kind of um, would save me all the time, I never ended up in in in-school suspension. So here I am, finally in in-school suspension, and I'm looking at this stack of books going, yeah, I don't know who they think is going to be doing this. Yeah. I don't know why they would think anybody in there would do that, right. to be right. honest, right? Well, Seems I was like a, a hard bit of a ruse. failure. Yeah. So if you don't finish your schoolwork, you get another day out of it. Guess what? <laughs> this kept happening. Yeah. I, w- I didn't see an end to this. Yeah. Because I wasn't doing any work. Yeah. And then I had... The realization, oh, I can just drop out. Right. So I got up from my cubicle. And this is ninth grade. Yeah, which Uh. at that point I was 43. Uh It was was so far into my life. So I got up and I was like, huh, I just started heading towards the door. And the the coach got up and he was like, whoa, where do you think you're going? And I was like, oh, I'm... I'm heading home. And uh, and he was like, "Um, oh, no, you're not. And I was like, oh, no, I am. And, uh, and I said, I, I actually, I quit. I'm, I'm finished. I'm done. I'm heading home. Yeah. And, uh, and you could just see that he was like, Oh, I, I don't know how to respond to this couldn't do anything. piece of information. Yeah. And so he let me go and yeah. I, I walked away and that was that. And did you start working right away or did you? Yeah, I, uh, I, I did. I have, I took different jobs. Well, actually the first job I took, um, well, I was working. Were you around sixteen? But now, I mean, I know you said forty-three, but I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna assume it was an exaggeration. Again, we've established I'm not good at math, so it's possible. <laughs> but um, well, clearly, I wasn't good at math either. 
Uh, well, you know what might have been a problem is the hot flashes. <laughs> as you as you hit menopause in, in school suspension. I almost didn't get that joke. I was like, why would I have been having hot flashes at 15, 16? Um, no, I was working in high school, too. Uh, so it's right. not like I dropped out and then started working. You just I was picked already up more hours working. or gotcha. Yeah. So um, I actually worked in daycare. And oh, wow. I took a job. This friend of mine went off to college, as she should have, because she was the normal age. And I was <laughs> off like in fifth grade still. <laughs> and, um, and when she left her job, it was a daycare job. And I was like, oh, yeah, I need a job. So I just got that job. But that is not the kind of job you just get because you need some cash. Right, right. You know, there's that's like, a tremendous amount of work. Well, see, that's what's interesting is here you're going to yeah. school and doing nothing yeah. and then going to, you went to your job after school. Yeah. Well, during school, I, I would have half days because I was like one of those at-risk kind of kids. Right, right. Yeah. And so I would work half, I would go to school half day and take all these pre-algebra type um, and introduction to coloring type uh, right. classes. And then I'd go off to um, work with kids. Oh my gosh. It was really bizarre. And I, then I started to think I wanted to be a teacher. Work. Of course you were tired during the day. You wanted to be a teacher. I love it. Um, there was nothing incongruous about it. Yeah. Did you think to yourself, like, I, did, did you think I want to be a teacher and do what, like, did you attach yourself to the problem at that point where you're like, I could be the teacher I never had? Or was it just a total disconnect from the fact that you hated school as, a, as an attendee, but well, thought, yeah. oh, I like helping other yeah, kids? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was more that. Because, yeah. again, it wasn't like I thought, oh, there were rotten teachers in my life. It was just, um, and that I'd be like, oh, I'll just write there wrong. Uh, it was that... I mean, you were right, and they were wrong. Yeah, but. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, it was more the... And to this day, I still don't enjoy um, organized sort of uh, learning. I, it, it drains me. It, it, I, I can't stand it. Like, I, I have ridden motorcycles for years, and I never got a license. And <laughs> as a grown adult, I went and took a motorcycle safety course. Yeah. I thought I was going, I, I left. I couldn't stand yeah. sitting in the classroom. And yeah. I always thought that the older I got, that somehow I would, you would mellow into yeah, it. Yeah, that something. I'd be like, you know what? I'll probably be one of those people that goes back to school and like gets my PhD or something. Right. Because right. I do have an interest. In, right. Uh uh-uh. uh. No. Like, and I. Classroom. I, I, no. I, I, classroom, when I'm sitting there and somebody's telling me things, it, it strangles me. Yeah. Um, but the environment itself, if you are not the person in the seat, but could potentially be the person a la doing stand-up. Yeah. Or if there was more of a a direct interaction in learning yeah. rather yeah. than them standing there and telling us things. Yeah. And it makes me just wonder how many people must feel how I do. I think a lot. You know? Yeah. And of course, um, but just how, how much is lost there? Yeah. Because I feel like if... If I, I mean, I certainly took a roundabout way in life to get to um, the life that I have, which is exactly what I want. Right. You know, of course, I want different things and more of certain and less of this and that. But in general, I have right. arrived at, wow, this is exactly the career and the people I would want to be surrounded by. Right. And, and it wasn't like just a direct shot. So I would take all of the ups and downs that got me here. Right. But I just feel for, because I, I cherish my life and happiness so much, yeah. I just feel for people that 
didn't and don't necessarily and don't necessarily respond the way you're supposed to to those sort of environments and yeah and they just went off on the wrong track you know because well, i really didn't have a clear vision i just yeah. knew i didn't want to be in that town i didn't want to go you know to college get married have kids move to suburbia do you know just none of that sounded appealing to me yeah. and uh i know this is this i the, the answer does not have to be yes or that you have an idea, but maybe is there is there something that you if you knew somebody if there was if there was a little tig out there right now who were listening to who's listening to this who were listening to this <laughs> clearly did I say I did well in school <laughs> um, uh, who is sort of at, at some sort of an impasse and I know everybody has to go their own way and I'm not saying you have the right or wrong answer but what would you tell that person is there any is there anything they could avoid that you feel like you went through if you had known blank or uh I feel like um I mean, it's, there's so many cliche things that would be perfect um, that I'll go ahead and utilize right now. Please do. That's what uh, they're out there for. Pluck them. <laughs> yeah. Pluck them from the air. Um, I'm really good at cliches, so here comes a whole barrel full. But I do. It's it is so important. You know what? The principle of mine that was so such a great guiding force in my life would always say, and it's so. You know, this kind of things where you go, yeah, 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 yeah. But then you really go, oh, yeah, yeah, Did it yeah. Get, it gets yeah. in, even if you're, you and, don't think it gets in. But she would always say, no matter what, it's, just, it's so cliche. It's I know, look, we're, we work that, in comedy, and it okay. feels like we're not allowed to yeah. embrace that stuff. Yeah. But unfortunately, uh, there's a reason that it's true and that it rings true. I'm like, Let's embrace that we're, all, we're human beings, <laughs> and we're not as unique as we think we are, and that's a good thing. Go. Okay. She would say, listen to your gut. Yeah. Okay. So I would always be like, oh, okay, yeah. And then I remember as a young adult, 18, 19, you know, after I dropped out, I moved to Colorado and I was trying to, I didn't quite know where I was heading, but I knew I loved the mountains. And, I love Colorado yeah. too. And so that's just, I knew that's where I wanted to go. That was my gut was like, yeah. that's where I want to be. Had you visited there? And so you knew? Yeah. You would, yeah. yeah. And, um, and so that was the only real thing was like music and my gut. <laughs> and I can so, only assume you went to meet John Denver. <laughs> uh, when basic. I put together Denver and music, <laughs> I only come up with one answer. Yes. Um, no, I, I love John Denver. See? Um, and Eddie Van Halen and yes. the Beatles. Um, yeah, so I was just, I think, I think listening to your gut, really, really what you want and what is really, really speaking to you. And um, I was also raised by a mother that would, you know, as chaotic as my family could be, what was so wonderful about my mother was her go-to thing to tell me mm -hmm. was to tell everybody to go to hell. <laughs> Love it. And so if, so if somebody has a problem with you, tell them to go to hell. <laughs> so that was constantly what yeah. I heard. And it yeah. was just instilled in me of like, oh, I guess, you know, I guess that's it amazing. Could, that's, a, I mean, that's yeah. amazing. And so when people are like, 
telling me they get this vibe about me that like, oh, things don't bother me or I don't care. I do care and things can bother me, but I was raised by somebody sure. that told everybody to go to hell if they had a problem <laughs> with her or me or, yeah. you know, and, and so I think having that and listening to my gut and I'm not saying, oh, kids get out there, tell everybody to go to hell. But, um, but <laughs> sure there, sounds like that's what you're saying. It doesn't. <laughs> but you know, there's, it's, it's like, I always think about the fine line of how nothing matters in life. Yeah. And you can see that in a negative or positive way. Absolutely. And it's something that drives me yeah. in my life yeah. is that nothing matters. And some people respond to me saying that's the most depressing way of looking at life. And to me, it's the most freeing yeah. thing in the world yeah. to be like, no, no, no. It, it's the flip side. It like you go so far one way that yeah. it, it's, it's so flip side. It's nothing matters. Like yeah. just do what you want to do because yeah. nothing, it doesn't matter. No, I, it matters yeah. that much. Yeah. Like in a it, it, Yes. I love do you understand? It. I absolutely do. And I think everything about what you just said, including tell them to go to hell, uh-huh. I could have and, and would have really benefited, benefited so much more as a teenager if more people had sort of told me that mm-hmm. because it's especially at that time in my life. And I think at that time in a lot of teenage girls lives, everything is of the moment. Mm-hmm. Everything is live or die. Mm-hmm. Everything is. Uh, about being accepted, about, you know, feeling like you belong to something, um, feeling like if someone else is more clear of what their path is, maybe that should be your path because you're just always looking around externally. So also listening to your gut, knowing that kind of stuff, knowing like, okay, this person is in my life and they're telling me that this is great or this works for them. And I'm in a place where I'm questioning my identity or I'm trying to figure out what feels good. And instead of listening to my gut or, or, you know, really kind of taking a look at who I am and what, what calls to me, whether or not that's, I'm going to become a veterinarian or I'm going to figure it out. I don't know right now. Mm -hmm. At least it's coming from inside instead of from everywhere else around you. Well, yeah, I thought I was going to be playing music, even though I was too shy to play in front of anybody. Then it led me into working in music business. So I worked on the business end of music. And you, you were a publicist? And did no, you, I worked you were like in... managed booking, uh-huh, uh-huh. promoting. And it kind of gave me insight for when I got into stand-up of how representation is so useless unless you have done something with yourself. Right. You know, you, you can, people get so focused on, I got to get a powerful manager. I got to get this. I got to get that. Right. It's like, no, you have to become so strong at what you do yeah and then the best manager is gonna come along and take that and do something and so having that insight of working in the business side of um of music yeah Yeah. i it i it i didn't feel i refused to get a headshot for the first five years of my career because people would tell me how important it was i thought it was hilarious because i was like wait it's not more important to just be funny. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and they're yeah. like, no, you have, to, you have to have a good headshot. And I remember when I got my half-hour special with Comedy Central, they called to get my headshot. I was like, oh, I don't have one. And, uh, and they were like, how do you not have a headshot? And I was like, I just, it's been like a joke to myself Ugh. that I wanted to prove that I don't need a headshot. Yeah. That I could do stand-up without being focused on a good headshot. Yeah. That 
I have to be good at stand-up. Yeah. You know? And so I just didn't want to be fooled by... And it's funny because even, like, in comedy industry people always saying like what is your point of view what's your image what's your brand yeah and they'd be like tig you know eh, you're funny but you don't uh, you don't have a point of view we don't know what your point of view is and i was always like what is my point of view i guess i don't have a point of view what (laughs) and it's like i just stayed focused on being funny yeah and working at that yeah now everyone thinks i have a point of view yeah everyone's like oh my god you have such a clear point of of view yeah and it's just like it's it's so you just have to yeah just stay focused on what you're doing and and then all of that other stuff it just happens you know I that's how I see and I now that I'm talking more I'm wondering how I even got to that (laughs) no that's I think that's huge I think that whole that that actually drives right back to what I was saying about being an adolescent and the fact that I think we we have the potential to always be in that place that we're all sort of like, especially in the arts that, that there's a sense of that you're trying out your image in front of people or that it becomes so much about what someone else has decided your value is or your worth is. And when it's so closely tied to your passion or your creativity or your identity, when it's so personal, when you're an artist, then it gets really mucked up because you've got somebody saying like, I don't know. I just, yeah, I think your hair could be shorter in this headshot. And then you've, and <laughs> then you spend three days wondering if they're right rather than writing great jokes that exactly. you can then take out it, and be funny so with. There's so many distractions when yeah. you, you have to, those are the people you tell to go to hell. You yeah. Know? Because I mean, really when yeah. it's, um, about the nitpicking of representation and and I know this makes no sense to people out in the middle of the world but I, it is it's just no, it's but I think it is I think it, it is it is I mean I think that does speak to everybody that this is just maybe a little bit more of a magnifying glass mm-hmm. and like annoying terms yeah, like yeah. representation or headshot but ultimately if it's about someone someone around you telling you that like surface things are mm-hmm. suddenly more important than something that's at your core. That shouldn't ever be true. And you should tell them to go to hell. Yeah. That's and, pretty fair to say. And I, I, I naturally through not knowing exactly kind of what I thought I wanted to do. I naturally came to comedy. Yeah. Um, and I had always followed stand up, but I didn't think that it was an opportunity I don't know why. I just pictured great comedians floating in outer space that that they just were the ones that got to do it, and yeah. it seemed so unattainable. To yeah, me. yeah. Um, and then, uh, but yeah, I moved here into Los Angeles with friends of mine that wanted to work in TV production, and I just thought, well, I'll go work in music business out there. That makes sense because the three of us, me and my good friends, had yeah. moved all around the country together. Yeah. I was like, oh, you're moving to L.A.? I never pictured myself there, even working in music business. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I'll go with you. And did you go to, like, what what sort of cracked it open for you? And I'm sure you've been asked this in other interviews, so you don't have to spend a lot of time on it. But what 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 made it possible? What did you see an open mic? Did you see a bunch of bad stand-up and go, oh, yeah, I, I mean, could... I, uh... Yeah, I moved here and opened the L.A. Weekly, and I just saw all these opportunities to do stand up you could do it in bars and laundromats and coffee shops <laughs> and and uh and uh i 
I just, for two weeks, I went to every open mic and show I could see. And I did. I, I, I'm, and I'm sure everybody that tries stand-up sees people and goes, oh, I can do this. But I did feel that way. I was like, oh, I could do this. Yeah. And then I, I thought if I saw people, it would intimidate me. But yeah. it, it didn't. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, so two weeks after getting here, and I got immediately out of music business, went and got a job at a coffee shop. I took steps backwards. Mm-hmm to get on track with where I wanted to go. I think a lot of people do that. Yeah. And people who don't do it shouldn't be afraid to do it. Yeah. Because you can. Yeah. I went from working with different companies in music business and starting my own company yeah. to going done. And then I got a studio apartment and a, a bicycle and worked at a coffee shop and did open mics and um, was thrilled. Like I was like, That's oh, awesome. This is who I am. Yeah, yeah. This is where I was headed. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. You know? Like, but it does sound like you were more... Maybe I'm mishearing, but... And obviously I'm filtering it through my own brain and my own expectations of myself. But it does sound like maybe on the positive side of, you know, kind of understanding like, well, I can just drop out of school or what have you, whether that works for everybody or not, that you were patient with yourself. Yeah. In a way, maybe a lot of us aren't where you didn't know... And you were okay with not knowing. Well, yeah, I guess I just always went back to, I know that I'm not, I used to start with like such severe ideas in my mind. I'd go, okay, well, I'm not a murderer. (laughs) I'm not a drug addict. You know, I would just kind of go back from there because I'd be like, why am I having so much trouble in life? And why can't I figure out what I want to do? And and so I would go, okay, I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not, I'm, you know. You have your, you can use your limbs, you're not, you know, impeded physically in some way. But yeah, I had to go so severe and and kind of dissect every part of myself and, and see, okay, what do I do have and what do I want and, and, um, but yeah, I guess I was really patient. So I I just knew deep down that I knew I wasn't a horrible person. I knew I had an interest in some things and I was just going to go check those out and see where that <laughs> right. led. Right. And um I ended up getting my GED um just as a side note. Um but and I promise you this is true. My cat ate it. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, I left my GED that's certificate wonderful. out on my uh, kitchen. Now you're just showing off, dude. Yeah, I left it out on my kitchen table. I can pull it out of my file that's cabinet wonderful. for you. Um, my cat got a hold of it <laughs> and chewed a quarter <laughs> of it off. And then what is left has little teeth marks oh. in it. And when I came home and I saw that, I just thought, I'm... N- nothing, nothing matters. matters. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like matters. nothing matters. Like my, oh. like you know, all the school that I messed up in, and then I went and got my GD, and my cat ate the thing. Yeah, and nobody's asked for it. Yeah, and I am doing perfectly fine. Yeah, you know, and uh, yeah. D- d- uh, without you don't need to get into a lot of specifics, but um. What do I weigh? What do you weigh? What do you bench press? Mm-hmm. Um, and relationship stuff, maybe in that order. Uh, 
What do I bench press and relationships? Yes. Okay. This is going to be in a new emotional terminology that Oprah is going to wrap her arms around with joy. I, be- I guess a bench press about... Uh... <laughs> Uh, now you're saying romantic? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm just wondering if, you know, if you if you don't mind kind of going into a little bit like, did you have lots of crushes? Did you date early? Did you, you know, how did you express your interest in people? Did you wait for them to come to you? Did you feel nervous? Like, where did, you know, where did you fall? I had crushes in, you know, junior high, high school, whatever, um, I dated here and there. Um, I'm not very, even to this day, I'm just not very aggressive with, uh, my friends always make fun of me um, that somebody could, like I, <laughs> so I, I'm not, I'm not the most aggressive. Do uh, you pick up on it when other people are interested in you or do you sort of also kind of ignore that? In, in terms of not being aggressive or like being I I'm I guess I don't I guess I pick up on people being interested but I'm not ever quite sure if that's what it is right right and so that's what friends of mine tease me about is the um, like I wish my friend David uh, was here to uh give examples but yeah basically somebody could stand in front of you nude pointing at their privates and you would be like i don't know yeah you should they want to be friends what's going on there's a draft in here Uh, or uh, you know i'd turn to a friend and be like uh that was weird you see that you know um just uh like it's a phenomenon yeah yeah like uh no pants uh Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm I, I, because you're, and now, and now, I mean, you're now you're doing something that is also more in the public eye, and it's 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 certainly you know performing talent stuff like that. People are interested in that above and beyond, like romantically, like like, like yeah, they're romantically interested in people they don't even know because they're seeing them on stage be brilliantly funny. Yeah, I, I guess, um, I guess I, I don't feel like I really ever run into that though because i don't feel like i'm i'm pretty i guess after i do shows i don't really i don't know i mean how do people meet people well do you have a headshot yeah (laughs) (laughs) but i mean how passing it out after i was just talking to a friend of mine like i feel like the more you are involved in entertainment the less it is easy to um date yeah Uh, that's what i feel do you meet do you find that you meet people like how like when you were when you were a teenager who were you interacting with and how did you end up dating was it if you weren't going to school was it people through work and no were they pursuing you or were you people through school i guess you know um but but yeah i was never pursuing um but i uh and I certainly, I would be less likely to pursue, especially, well, and I wouldn't, I'm not like out trying to, pers- I, I don't know. You know what? I was like really into um, like the, um, I was really into, I had crushes on like, I ran around with like these guys that were in bands, you know, I was like, obvi- like I was saying, I was really into music and stuff. Yeah. 
And so I ran around with these guys that were in bands and I had crushes on most of those guys yeah. uh, that were in bands. Yeah. And, um, and, but we were all friends too. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I'd, I'd kissed a couple of here and there right. guys that were running around with. But I remember there was this one guy when I was leaving school one day and everybody was like, oh, and I can't remember his name. And I think I dated him for a few months. But, um, <laughs> Unforgettable. Yeah. But everybody's like, oh, so-and-so. I have a horrible memory, too. That's part of the problem. But um, they were like, oh, so-and-so is going to ask you out. So-and-so is going to ask you out. I was like, oh, you know. And then I go to my car, and this guy who I always saw in the parking lot sitting on his car that was the guy that was going to be asking me out. Uh-huh. So I guess he always like sat on his car, like checking me out, like, hey. which is hilarious. Um, his name wasn't Arthur Franzarelli, was it? <laughs> no, but mine was. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, he asked me out and then I went out with him. But I remember getting a little turned off by how into me he was mm. like he started buying all the pretenders records oh and, you know he he just started doing yeah. he started like he single white femaled you yeah yeah and that. yeah he was like really trying to like take on everything i was interested in and, yeah and i was like oh man you know get your, about own, have your own personality yeah, yeah you yeah, do yeah. your thing i'll do mine for sure um but no he was he was a nice guy but i just uh yeah that was kind of how i I uh, maybe a normal girl would have been like, oh, maybe this guy that sits on the hood of his car every day after school is <laughs> checking me out. But I, I, I didn't. Uh, it didn't occur to me. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have? Uh, you talked about the point at which you thought maybe you wanted to be a teacher and you were doing stuff with um, with daycare. And have you stayed? Like, did you continue to do stuff with kids, or did that sort of go away after you moved to Colorado? Or like, do you have a? relationship to i guess to kids or the idea of helping kids now oh (laughs) i mean screw those guys yeah no i have no interest that was a phase kids don't matter they go to hell they can all go to hell (laughs) um (laughs) uh uh, each man for himself yep um i have not worked directly with kids other than i've done like so many benefits yeah that have been involved with kids that i've performed for donated money or you know but i haven't had any sort of like real hands-on experience Mm -hmm. but i absolutely adore children yeah and uh i yeah i i do i adore kids but i haven't i haven't worked with them yeah directly is there a I feel like I, I think it's a, I have to forgive it because I think it, it's a completely natural question to ask because I also love kids and I love working with kids. Mm-hmm. And immediately the question that follows that is, Oh, so you want to have kids or you, you know, and I, 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 I want to ask, I guess I kind of want to ask that coming from the perspective of being someone who hates being asked that. So I'm not even sure why I'm asking. Never mind. Well, I don't mind that you're asking, but I'll just go ahead and ask you, do you want to have kids? T- Ugh. <laughs> this interview is over. 
Uh, you know what? I don't know. And that's kind of one of the things that I wanted to be able to address on the podcast is yeah. that you can love kids. You can love working with kids. You can love being around them. You can love being an aunt. You can love all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't necessitate needing to birth one or yeah. necessarily adopt them. Um, I, that hasn't kicked in for me really as, yeah. as much as I love them. Yeah. I keep waiting for that to, to get the pang in my ovaries or whatever's supposed to happen. And that's not happening yet. So. I would actually love to have kids. Yeah. And, um, I don't know that it's going to happen. Um, are you asking me to have a baby for you? <laughs> I, I guess that's what I was trying to do. Uh, I thought when you asked me to do this podcast, I thought it'd be a good chance to, to maybe, that's the only reason that I asked you to do this because I also work a long con. <laughs> no, I, I, I would love to have kids, but, and I would love to have the weird little kind of kid. You know, it always fascinates me that people are like trying to find a gorgeous mate to have a beautiful child with. I always think that's Who so. Who are those people? But I mean, or when people that's are like, oh, th- they're going to have such beautiful kids <laughs> or, you know, that whole thing. Right, right, I right. I think that is so, when I hear that, I'm just like, that is such a strange thing to say. There's something broken about that observation. And yeah. I think a lot of people make it and I'm sure I'm guilty of making it. And you don't make it in the moment that you're thinking that. You're not thinking that that's what matters, and that's why you're saying right. it. It's and meant I, to be. I know just you're just you're looking at these two gorgeous of, people, yeah. and you're like, oh, they are going to have yeah. beautiful kids. But I have to say, like, if I had a kid, I would want for my kid to be the kid that people go, oh my gosh, have you met the <laughs> weird little human that Tig gave birth to? <laughs> Do you know that yes. comes toddling up and, yes. and you're like, no, you have to hear what this kid says. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, I just, yeah. If, if somebody was doting on, you know, my child, like if you were constantly going, like, oh, beautiful child, right. beautiful. Right. I would want, is that weird? That no, I would it's not at all. It's my not kid at all. to be just saying the weirdest things. I, I don't want them to be like some bizarre outcast, but right. That's what I just love the epitome of kids when they are Oh yeah. When you're just like, "Oh my gosh, what are you saying?" Oh, I've been asking. I have a couple of friends with kids and I ask I I draw that out. Yeah. I don't I'm not as concerned with seeing photos yeah. because again, that's a yeah. representation of how adorable they are. I don't really think about that, but I am 100% on board for guess what he said yesterday yeah. because more often than not, it really is like Oh, that is awesome. Like, I wish my brain still had the sort of freedom to work that way. Like, my friend was just telling me about his nephew watching someone on an ice skating rink doing Mm -hmm. figure eights and and turning and saying, is there a figure four? (laughs) Like, not, you know what I'm saying? I love that that's... That's the best, like, well, why wouldn't there be? Of course, you know, but, but the disconnect, we don't think that way now, you know? Do you know the comedian Dave Hill? Yeah. Yeah. He kind of still has that brain. Well, yeah. I mean, he's out of his mind. (laughs) Um, He's a great friend of mine. Um, And he always tells me, um, uh, he gives me updates on his nephew because Mm -hmm. I'm obsessed. I've never met this kid, Mm -hmm. but I'm obsessed with Mm -hmm. what this kid says. And one of my favorite things, and I still, I, and I, I, uh, I wedge it into conversations myself and just try and pretend like that's me just asking yeah, this. Take the credit. Um, I, I try and credit his nephew, <laughs> but, uh, Dave's nephew was 
at karate class. I guess he was like four years old or something. And, uh, and he was the prof- the professor. The um, the karate teacher was like, oh, you do this, and then karate and chop chop and what have you. Any questions? And then uh, and then <laughs> I want to take I want to take your karate class, <laughs> yeah. and then I want to make a movie about it called <laughs> Professor Karate. Professor <laughs> Karate, uh, chop chop, and uh, whatever uh, and what have you, and uh, you know so so and f- so forth, and uh, you know. <laughs> Any, Any questions? questions? And uh, and Dave's uh, nephew, four years old, raises his hand, and the teacher's like, "Yes," and he goes, um, "Yes." How are cars made? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and, and I was just like, oh, "That's awesome! Oh, that's the best question!" Oh, right God. in the middle of karate class. Oh, oh my gosh! Great. Yeah. Uh, well, he puts the car into karate. Karate. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. Because he's like, kind let's of see. Hmm. I embrace. Yeah, I do have some questions. Yeah. How are cars made? That's, I mean. If we're really asking. Yeah. That's what I want to oh, know. that's lovely. So, yeah, that's my favorite that's... thing. I'd love to have a kid that I could just go someplace and toss the kid on a bunch of, like, coats at a party. <laughs> and the kid would just sleep just fine. Sure. You know, take the kid on tour. That's how the Europeans do it. Yeah. Have your life, but also have kids with you. Yeah. That's, I, want I mean, to... that's, that's, I, that's kind of a cliche, but that is what people say, is that Americans have a preciousness associated with having a kid and creating a situation where it's all about how is this going to restrict me? Like part of being a good parent mm-hmm. is sacrificing all of those things and yeah. finding a way to restrict myself. And I just don't, I, my understanding from friends of mine who are European and stuff is that just not as much of a, an issue it's like if there's a party i'm bringing my kid or it's i don't know i don't know i just there's a little bit more of that yeah or just in travels and um there's all sorts of it's like yeah you have to sign up for that i think i mean but obviously i haven't had a child and i'm sure people that have that's what you think (laughs) can we get (laughs) we did talk about all the little tigs around the country that are listening didn't we yeah every single one yeah wouldn't that be amazing if i've had children and i didn't realize it that would be amazing just a bunch of them that'd be uh, like just yeah just tons i just blackouts in your life out. just nine months just went off traveling remember. and it's like oh yeah something did yeah oh well yeah well but yeah i do want kids um so that they can all tell adults to go to hell yeah <laughs> The, yeah, my kid's probably going to... Tig's daughter just, just told me to go to hell. <laughs> yeah, it's going to tell me to go... It, it. That is little going creature. To tell that that little weird human, little freak is going to tell that, me to go to hell. That odd little human that I'm going to have is going to be telling me to go to hell. And I'm going to be like, this is all of my dreams coming true. <laughs> is that I'm going to have a child telling me to go to hell. Yep. Yeah, so... Tignataro Notaro. Uh, that's almost exactly an hour, so I oh. think we'll round it up. And um, great. I don't want to say this was magic, but this was wonderful. And I totally forgot that we were holding microphones like dorks and I in you. your home. I thank you. And I you. <laughs> Are you just answering that? And to I whatever you. I say? <laughs> it's my favorite thing to say. Ugh. Thanks for coming over and holding microphones in my living room. Thanks for listening to your gut and agreeing to do this. Absolutely. Goodbye, America.
as always, the JV Club theme song is Before We Were Brittle, courtesy of the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.